So are we, are we, I'm just thinking like lighthearted, sort of like laid back. Let's just have a laugh. And um, if all else fails, just blame Joel. Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Mulan, brackets 2020, close brackets. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And I was massively thrown off there. I was expecting. I was, yeah. I was, <laughs> there should be at least two names ahead of my own. <laughs> so, and just like Mulan, we're loyal, brave, and true. Or at least one of us will be telling the truth. The other one will probably be lying through their teeth. <laughs> Coincidentally, Loyal, Brave and True was the name of our three-man dance crew at school, wasn't it? It was. It was. <laughs> Which one were you again, Dave? Uh, loyal. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> uh, okay, right. So this week's film, our child, as I said before, is the 2020 action fantasy. Action family? Action fantasy? I'd do something yeah, like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, is it... Jet, ooh, ooh. <laughs> or is it? I'm leaving on a jetly plane. <laughs> no, no, when I'll be back again. <laughs> Which uh, one's the bad one, Gav? What you got against wings? <laughs> uh, and often wings is the good one. Uh, oh, okay. Leaving on a jet plane would imply that it's leaving, it's going, it's gone. You know what I mean? So that's the bad one in my opinion. It's not a bad song. It's just like, yeah, that, that's the bad one in that scenario. Apologies. It's a bit convoluted. <laughs> what I'll say instead is essentially we're going to try and find out if it's going to be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Um, so just to say, it's going to be very spoilerific. So if you haven't seen Mulan yet, you can finally watch it for free on Disney Plus if you do have Disney Plus, that is. If not, you can, I don't know, just trust our judgments. Now, on to the trial. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, we should probably discuss the last film on our trial, shouldn't we? Yeah, like, there is, there oh, is almost, almost nothing more to say about the last <laughs> film. That was well, well, to be honest, so for the very first time, I've got no idea who judged it, what list it should be placed on, or anything about it, because um, I, I missed last week. As you, you may. missed your first ever episode of Films yeah. on Trial, and no. and the entire format went out the window, and we all became judge, jury, <laughs> and prosecutioner, and executioner. Let's yeah. be fair, in, but we in, got in, along uh, really well. <laughs> <laughs> For once, we all agreed wholeheartedly. Oh, wow. on where a film belonged. Yeah. So, so what you're trying to say is that maybe I'm the catalyst for arguments. In, in a roundabout way, that is exactly what we're saying here. That, yeah. that you, I, I wasn't even <laughs> implying. I was full on saying it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we agree with um, 93% of the population um, and and it belongs on the shit list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be honest, I, I had started watching it um, and it was not good. Yeah, so I would have been very, very surprised if whoever was judging it placed yeah. it on the hit list. Oh my God, what a bad film that was. I think we got about an hour and a half into it and my wife loves... <laughs> she realised she had an hour left. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, like, like my, my wife usually loves that kind of shite, but uh, she was really struggling. And, you know, we were just, we had to pause at one point and it was like, Jesus Christ, there's still so long in this film left. I just don't understand how much more. And, and I like, okay, maybe it wasn't an hour and a half. Maybe it was like, it's definitely an hour had been, right? 
before, they still hadn't finished introducing characters. <laughs> and it was just like, how many more characters are there going to be? How many more subplots? I, like, I have forgotten like half of them already. I'd forgotten half of them by the time I got to the hour point in the film. Like, you know, was was it really necessary for that many people? Is Ryan Seacrest going to have some sort of like character arc at the end? You know, like it's just it's just cram as much shit into a film, but hopefully it turns out all right. It sounds like actually you do need to go and watch the last hour of the film and then you get to see the resolution of all Ryan Seacrest's so. arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where he gets well, reunited with the cat he abandoned the New Year's previously. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat takes bloody revenge. <laughs> uh, uh, I found that hard. I don't know why I'm focusing on Ryan Seacrest so much, but he introduced himself as Mr. New Year's Eve. And I was like... Is he? <laughs> is, is he Mr. New Year? I can understand somebody being like, you know, if Michael Bublé wanted to call himself Mr. Christmas or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, I, I understand that. But yeah, I'm just saying, like, maybe, maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he does. If he did, though, I wouldn't be like, no, no, there's no way, right? And that's a stupid thing to call yourself. I'd be like, oh, I can understand where he's coming from. And also, yeah, fair enough, whatever, because he releases a Christmas album every single year and he has done since he was about 14. But Mr. New Year's Eve? And I was like, <laughs> what? And when, the, when they, they said as well, they were like, everybody, everybody in the country, and it, sorry, no, they said, everybody in the world is going to be watching tonight or all eyes of the world are going to be watching tonight. And I was like, are they? Mm. I was like, does everybody celebrate New Year's Eve? At the exact like, same yeah. moment. Kind of like the exact a, same moment. What about like the billion people that live in China who probably don't give a shit about that program? <laughs> it's a bit I'm like sure. the, it's like the American World Series, you know, so you can be the champion of the world in um, what's it called? American football. But actually it's literally just America. And only a small part of America at that, you know. <laughs> I just roll my eyes and let him get on with it. If he wants to be Mr. New Year's Eve, it's fine. It's like Pitbull, yeah. Mr. Worldwide himself. It's like, of course, you know, mate. You have a good life. Anyway, that's 15 extra minutes which we didn't need to talk about New Year's Eve, which we should now move on. <laughs> I, I, need, I needed to. I spent an hour watching that film. I felt like I needed to get something out of it. Uh, right. Anyway, right, moving swiftly on to the rest of the trial. Um, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, so acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave. I haven't thought of any funny sort of jokes, uh, tie-ins to our names and how we're similar to characters from the film because I'm not going to lie to you, I only stopped watching the film about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, just to let you know that I will be after this prosecution and I'm going to try and get this film placed on the shit list, hopefully successfully. And uh, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may or may not be their real opinions, though. So stay tuned until the end of the episode where we'll, we'll reveal what we really think about the film. Which means this week, Austin has the most important role as Austin will be playing the judge. Now, Ozzy must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, now, what we usually do at this point is uh, we give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what the film is all about. So one of us will read off the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. And I realize that might be a little insensitive. Um, but 
there's no way that we should abandon the Wheel of Impressions altogether, especially because I spent at least 20 minutes creating the newfound <laughs> Wheel of Impressions. Uh, if nobody saw the live episode of Elf, what I've done here is I've got an actual wheel uh, and it has little pictures of you us. You say an actual wheel, Gav. It's a CNC, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it it's, it's, it's not for copyright reasons. <laughs> it's a sore and set. Uh, and uh, there's all of our pictures on there and there's a little lovely Freddo uh, cell taped in the middle there. And yeah, what we do here is uh, spin the wheel of impressions and whoever it lands on has to read out the synopsis. Um, so I'm going to do that first. So hang on, let's see if... Uh, are we going to do this? Here we go. You ready? <laughs> I mean, right. two of us are missing, so it's... Uh... Well, it's landed on you anyway, Dave, so it's all good. <laughs> um, now, I've, I've thought about this long and hard, so uh, this week's impression, I think, should be of uh, 1998 uh, Mulan original cast member, Harvey Firesteed. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Firesteed, Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're talking very raspy and a little bit camp. Is that yes, sense? That is yes. essentially Harvey Feierstein. That is it, yeah. Okay, I, uh, Harvey Feierstein. How does he? How does he sound again? Okay, it sort of sounds like this. Sort of sounds. Like... <laughs> okay. okay, a young child. Chinese maiden disguises herself as a male warrior in order to save her father. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, that was amazing! Harvey <laughs> oh, no, Firestein, we love you. No, bear in mind, like I, I'm, I'm not joking in the slightest bit. This is all just done ad hoc. Right? There's no way that Dave knew beforehand that that was Harvey Feierstein. So no, for an know. off the cuff Harvey Feierstein impression, I'd say that was spot on, mate. Thank you, mate. Got talents. I will take that. <laughs> Can you do any other impressions? No, no, just <laughs> just Feierstein. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that episode, that, that audition for Britain's Got Talents. Was, <laughs> the man of one voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay. Uh, right, on to the trial. Arcee, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to, I mean, this, this is, I haven't seen this, partly because um, we went on a little bit of a, a little bit of a ban of the film, um, mainly because it costs so much, but then secondly, because of the controversy that it raised when it uh, came online and um, and all of the, the hubbub around it. So, yeah, it took a bit of a stance, you know, a very private and financially based stance. Um, and I haven't watched it yet, but now it's free. Um, you know, I'm I'm quite, quite open to, uh, to either side of the argument. I don't actually think I've seen all of the animated ones. So the story itself, you know, the only thing I know about it is that it's kind of like, it's basically Avatar, but but with real people. So um, I'm, I'm totally open to it. And I guess the best way to go for this is to have the defense uh, start and tell me, mm-hmm. you know, so, set the scene and talk can, me Can it. I just say that, like, you started by saying, yeah, yeah, we, we boycotted this film, um, you know, because of the controversies that surrounded it. But as soon as it became free, <laughs> we abandoned all of our morals. <laughs> well... <laughs> I felt as though now that it's become free and I think, uh, I mean, I don't know the full political situation, but I think it's moved on considerably since then. And, um, you know, and, and people have decided that actually boycotting the movie isn't the, uh, 
isn't the 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 stand up. Yeah, um, now it's not yeah. going to like put money directly yeah. into Disney's pockets unless you you know you've already got a Disney subscription. Then it's it's more understandable. But yeah, like to kind of justify paying thirty dollars or twenty pounds or whatever it was to watch the film when there was that much controversy surrounding it may have been a little bit much. Yes. That was far more succinctly put. To my, to my response. <laughs> Which is it was surprised because brevity is not one of my talents. That's <laughs> <laughs> another whole brag. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not bragging at all. I don't have many talents, to be honest. <laughs> but I can go all night. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dave, please tell me about this film. Okay, no problem. Like it. Yep, okay. Um, so, like you say, this is the remake of the 1998 Disney, I think we can say classic, even though it's not necessarily that old. I think it has been uh, established as an animated classic now. Uh, so, essentially, the live-action remake. Disney's going through all the old animated films, and they're making all of them into, into live-action ones now. Uh, it seems to be quite fashionable. It seems to be doing quite well at the box office. This one necessarily didn't, uh, in part because of COVID. I think we can safely say, you know, the uh, the box office takings it made seventy million, I think, on a two hundred million dollar budget. So it is uh, a bit of a bomb. But given the circumstances and the context, then we can understand why that doesn't take into account Disney's revenue from streaming. So the Disney Plus and people buying it through Disney Plus and anyone who streamed it since it doesn't take that into account. But yeah, this still hasn't fared as well as some of their others. But the uh, the story of Mulan. You say you haven't seen the whole of the animated? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I remember Eddie Murphy being a dragon. Yeah. Um, There's no dragon I, in this one. Oh. oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know But but no, so I, I've not actually seen. I'm, I'm you know I'm vaguely aware of the of the sort of the myth and legend. The myth and the ballad of yeah, of yeah. Mulan, yeah. which is uh, Chinese folklore from I think three eight six AD something like that. The, something fourth century China, I think. Um, So essentially it is about a young girl in China who takes the place of her father when the, uh, when the army basically starts conscription to fight this invading army that are coming in. Every household must uh, send a male to go fight in the army. Her father is too old and he will be killed almost instantly. So she goes in his place. This part of the story, you know, now in the Disney version, she's accompanied by, you know, her, comedic sidekick you know the uh, the deity of uh, that the ancestors send to look after her you know this uh, this guardian deity um played by eddie murphy that is not in this one so instead in its place you've got something a little more symbolic you've got uh, and it's not a speaking character it's only in a few shots but a phoenix kind of the symbol of her ancestors so still a mythological aspect to it um so still a fantasy element to it but it's um now a phoenix in its place and there are quite a few differences to be honest with you, between this and the animated classic that we all know and love. Um, now, the, the theme is the same. She does take over, uh, she does take her father's armor and take his place, posing as a man in the army, um, fooling her commanding officer, fooling her fellow soldiers, uh, all to fight this invading army that are coming, and ultimately proving her bravery and saving the day, saving her battalion, and ultimately saving the emperor of China as well when he is attacked uh, at his palace. So in that sense, the story is very much the same, but they've made some key changes. You will recall the character of Li Shang from the original. That is Mulan's commanding officer and also later in the film, her love interest. Um, And in this film, they've kind of split that character into two. They didn't like the idea of a commanding officer. You know, you could perceive that as abusing his position. So they put uh, Castoni Yen 
as her commander and there is no love interest there he is simply the commander of her unit and then there is a fellow recruit of the same rank as her who she has more of a love story with more of a vibe with and i say love story that's not really dwelled on it's kind of more flirty and it's just uh it's never really you don't really follow that path it's more about mulan than it is about this relationship going on it's about her journey and being accepted into this army um other differences like i say the dragon is out the lucky cricket is out that was another animated character instead you've got another recruit in the army called cricket and he talks about you know the chinese themes of luck why he's nicknamed himself cricket because cricket stuff seems to be lucky so he believes he'll be safe in battle and that sort of thing so it is touched upon and kind of like nodded to but there isn't a cricket character um another key character which is introduced i have to mention is gong li's character of shan yang who is a witch now this is very different to the cartoon that you'll have seen. She um, essentially works for Bori Khan, who is this film's version of Shan Yu, who was the villain of the last one. Bori Khan in this one, played by Jason Scott Lee. She works for him, and she can change herself into a hawk. You recall in the animated film, Shan Yu had a hawk, and it was just a hawk. In this, she is a witch that can transform herself into one, and she helps him. She helps turn some decisive battles uh, in his favor using black magic. Uh, again, but quite an interesting character to add in. I'm sure we'll go into characters a bit more later, but her addition could be quite an interesting touch to this film. Other than that, the characters are pretty much the people we know, uh, Mulan's parents, um, you know, her fellow recruits, and ultimately the Emperor, played by Jet Li, which I thought was a, um, a first eyebrow-raising uh, casting, but then when I saw it, it actually worked. But again, I think we'll talk more about characters later. But um, ultimately, you've got the remake of Mulan, but with a lot of different themes running through it and a lot of key changes to characters, a modernization, if you will, of this, this centuries-old folklore <clears throat> tale. Um, but the changes I think they've made, they've made for good reason, and I'm sure we'll explore them in more depth. I'm sure Gab might have something to say about them, and I will come back at him when he does. So fire straight in, yeah? Sorry, oh, I thought it was oh, going to wow. be a straight rebuttal. What Dave is missing out here is that this film was pretty boring. Um, like, like, one of the fundamental aspects of Mulan, the original one anyway, from 1998, was that it was fun and it was funny and it was unique. This is just, you know, it seems like they've abandoned all of that. They've, they've sacrificed all of that enjoyment that you might have felt while watching the first film for this very serious and dour rendition of it. It's, I just, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that says like, oh, we shouldn't remake any of the classic Disney films. There's no way that you need to, you know, remake Beauty and the Beast or whatever. I actually have liked most, if not all, of the Disney live action remakes. I really liked The Lion King and Jungle Book. I think they kept a lot of the spirit uh, and the heart that the originals had whilst adding a bit of a new and interesting spin and also, you know, adding, you know, what, like 2020... Um, CGI, you know, massive advancements in technology and, and story as well. Here, what they've done is they've gone in a completely different direction. Like, they've tried to just strip it right back and just be a very serious retelling of this story. Like, you would actually be hard-pressed to identify this as a Disney film. If you, had, if you hadn't seen the original and you were to watch this and you had no idea it was Disney-affiliated, you'd be like, Oh, is that an actual Disney film? Because it's so serious. Like, they've tried to be more realistic uh, this time around. So there's obviously, as Dave said before, there's no dragon, there's no grasshopper, there's no music, uh, you know, which, once again, for me, is a fundamental part of the original. It, you know, it was a musical. They've stripped all of the music out of it. And I, I get that. I get, I get if you're trying to become a more serious film, 
then yeah, that that's fine. You know, you can make some changes, but not all of them. And what I don't understand is that this time around, Dave alluded to um, the character um, who is an actual witch who can morph into a bird, which Dave just said. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. Dave said it a lot more eloquently than me. But, you know, you've got a witch who can morph into a bird. So it's, it feels like it's like having its cake and eating it. So you've, you've stripped away um, some of, like, the heart and the soul and the fun of the original because it wasn't believable or it wasn't true to life. And instead, you've replaced it with something generic and not fun, but is also still equally implausible. You know, so if you didn't want to talk and dragon in there because, oh, you know, like that, that that's not believable. What we will have instead is somebody who can turn themselves into a bird because that's more relatable, isn't it? You know, also the film spends so much effort recreating the scenes and the narrative of the original that it just ends up feeling like exactly what it is, a live action cartoon. So as opposed to, you know, an original film. So, you know, when I watched The Lion King, I mentioned before, that felt like a modern day retelling of the original. Whereas this just feels like it's, it's the cartoon again, but worse. Like they've spent a lot of effort and time in the costumes and the sets, recreating the scenes, like scene by scene. For example, you know, that, that scene with the matchmaker, the scene where Mulan tries to have a secret bath. Uh, <laughs> secret bath, coincidentally, is the name of our dance crew's album. <laughs> but, you know, it's like they look like they've been taken from the original um, cartoon. However, you know, when you spend that much time and effort recreating that and not adding anything new to it, you wonder why they bothered in the first place. You know, uh, there's also this, this interesting fights and action sequences, I'll admit it, but, you know, the few and far between, it feels like they're too distant. You know, during the, in the original, you had, you know, you had the action, you had, you know, like there was the battles, there was the fighting, but in between that, you also had a lot of comedy, you had a lot of heart and spirit, and you had the music as well. When you take away all of that, what it ends up being is just like long dialogue set pieces, you know, just sort of like, it feels like you're waiting for something more interesting to happen down the line. Because although like some of the action and the cinematography and the costumes were all good, what got lost in it is the actual heart of the film. So if it feels like there's no emotion there at all. It's just essentially blank. And I felt like they just maybe, I don't know, they needed to go in a, a different direction. I feel like if you're going to make it more realistic, you need to improve on the emotional side of it, you can't just strip away all of the kind of the fun from the original film because then you're just devoid of, of any sort of anything that is, is going to keep you engaged. Okay. Um, I, mean, I suppose that last point there is, is, is sort of a bit of a new one against you, the, Dave, is that the, the film actually, while it may touch, be, be you know, it's got quite good action sequences considering, a, you know, a relatively unknown director from an action background, but at the expense of emotion, at the expense of fun. It's actually a, a boring remake. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to come back on a few of those points. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a boring remake. You know, Gav talked about how the heart has been taken out of this film. The spirit is gone. You know, the humor is gone. It's a more serious 
telling of the story. I mean, the ballad of Mulan, the original Chinese folklore story, isn't a humorous one. You know, I think this, these changes have been made because the audience that grew up with Mulan, who saw it maybe when they were children and consider it one of their favorite Disney films and now might go see this uh, live action version, possibly with, with kids of their own. Um, I think, you know, when they look back at this one, it, it's for a more mature audience, for sure. Whereas the cartoon, I think, was more accessible by very young children. This one, I'd say you're talking kids, I'd say around 10 onwards not necessarily that young just because of the it does have a serious tone but that's not to say that heart has been taken out of it or spirit has been taken out of it the spirit of the first one which was fun and humorous and what have you has been replaced by one of defiance and dignity it's still got spirit and a strong spirit to it it's just not the same sort of spirit as the cartoon one might have had you know the the talking dragon was not in the uh, the ballad the original ballad from centuries go you know it's uh, it's something that disney just added for humor for western audiences that's why it's voiced by eddie murphy you know uh, this retelling is more accurate to the original ballad it's more it shows more deference to its source material even by changing the name you know in the cartoon her name was far mulan her family name was far it's qua it's it's a different name completely but in this film they correct that and finally the name is right you know, and little things like, um, you know, they referred in the cartoon one, they called um, the invading army Huns, which isn't correct. It, they are just a better known um, tribe from around that same region of the Asian steppes that they thought kids would be able to pronounce more uh, easier. You know, they should actually be uh, the Kagan, I think. Um, it's a different group altogether. But again, this film puts it right and gets it closer to what the original ballad was getting at, what the original story and what Chinese history would have been nodding towards. So although Gav could say it's, it's more, it is more serious, but I think it's been done for a, a good reason to show more deference to the original ballad and to the source material and show some respect to it. And there are fantasy elements incorporated, which, which might not have necessarily been in the ballad themselves, but that is, shows a different kind of deference and one to Chinese cinema. The action sequences are very reminiscent of um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know, those sorts of action sequences where it's, it's kind of acrobatic style martial arts stuff that no human being should ever be able to do. You know, it's all got to be perfectly stunt coordinated and what have you. And the, as Gav admitted himself, the action sequences in this are beautifully shot and very well done. But I think that is just like a nod of courtesy to Chinese cinema that they've incorporated these fanciful elements. Even the, uh, the shape-shifting witch is part of folklore, you know, maybe not in that ballad of Farmer Land, but it's uh, it's still part of folklore. And I think they've inserted it for a reason. There is music in it. I just like to say on Gav's point about there being uh. no music. There's no mu- It's not a musical. So there's no songs. Characters do not burst in the song. It's not that kind of film. Like I say, it does have a more serious tone, but the score is the soundtrack from the animated one. All those classics we all know, only now done instrumental in the background. How you know, great. All- <laughs> it's quite fun spotting the songs you know when you hear reflections at the end and stuff like that the songs are all there littered throughout the score it's like hearing all your favourite musical songs played on on the pipe on the pan pipes in an elevator you know what I mean it's like I was going to say... Until is, you've heard Killing in the Name of on Pan Pipes, Gav. You can't <laughs> I mean, what I was going to... You know, when, you, when you mentioned that, is, is, it, is it well placed? Is the audio, you know, now that there's no songs, there's no sing-alongs, there's not, nothing to really capture you and, and ruin the, um, you know, ruin the moment necessarily. Not, mm. It's not a musical, it's not a Disney musical, but do the songs, uh, do, do, does the music sit nicely in the right place to to add to the story or does it? Very well. It sits perfectly within the film, I would say. You know, the music works in conjunction with what you're seeing on the screen. It doesn't detract, doesn't draw your attention away. There's just a few moments of recognition where it's like, oh, this is 
that song from the original, you know, this is I'll make a man out of you. And I just, I, yeah. I just twigged. There's a few moments of recognition, which you could say, I suppose, if you wanted to put a bad spin on it, it says take you out of the moment, but just for a few seconds. And it's a good way of taking you out of it because you're, you got this nostalgic callback to the original film, even though they've decided not to make this one a musical, they've still got that original soundtrack in there in some form. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah okay. Just cut him. Touching on something that Dave mentioned before, one of the biggest things I've got written down here is the the film has a bit of an identity crisis, and that it doesn't really know who its audience is. Dave said that this would be, you know, ideal to for a ten year old to watch. I massively disagree. I have met ten year olds, and they are not into serious retellings of Chinese folklore. That you know, they're into Frozen. I like, I, like if I if I was to sit like a ten year old down and say, right, you've got the choice here of Frozen two or Mulan, they'd be like, right, yeah, I want to watch Frozen 2 because there's music in it. There's... I'd watch Frozen 2 over Mulan. <laughs> What's your point? Frozen 2 is wonderful. No, What's your no, point? All, uh, all I'm saying is that like, like the original Mulan, right, was for kids but could be appreciated by adults. This film isn't for kids. It isn't really for adults, I don't think. I, I think maybe it's uh, for people who maybe had a gripe with the original Mulan that it wasn't historically accurate enough and it's also for people who like the original Mulan and it's sort of but, but not not more I don't know because it's like even then there's so many changes made from the original the, the original fans of it will probably get pissed off that it's not unlike it at all I know uh, one, of, one of our friends is a, a really big fan of the original and she hated this because it was so different so I don't think it's going to be for original fans there are as Dave said a few nods there for those original fans but people who've never seen the original Mulan aren't going to appreciate that so you think to yourself who is this film actually for? And I can answer that with my previous question. This is for older kids. It's not for young children. They will be bored. But I maintain my point that older kids, I think, will find this entertaining and will enjoy watching this. I I, I disagree. I don't think anybody's going to really enjoy watching this, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> harsh. But, but harsh. You know, so that, I mean, that's a, that is, it feels like a harsh point, but that kind of brings me on to this with um, the other live action ones. So, we, you know, you look at the Jungle Book, the Jungle Book removes a lot of the songs and there's a nice nod to the songs within it, the live action-ish one. But it's it's really good to look at. You know, it's impressive. The Lion King one, I mean, it's like watching a documentary, you know, of... Planet Earth. Uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's absolutely beautiful to to look at. This. The scenes are absolutely amazing. And I, I sort of, you know, and I have seen Lion King and I, I sort of disagree with Gab's line, but I understood what he was saying. I think Gab said that in The Lion King, it's not um, a scene-for-scene scene remake, but actually I felt like it was essentially a scene-for-scene scene remake, but just done so incredibly well. It never at all felt like a cartoon when I was watching it. Um, yeah, no, so, is, so, so this one as good, is this one as good-looking, or is it, is, it, is, it just, is it just not as good? Does it feel cheap? Does it? I mean, it shouldn't. It's... Yeah, 200 million pounds yeah 200 million dollar budget no it does not feel cheap at all you can see where the money went the money's on the screen you know it's uh, it's in the costume the, these incredible costumes that they've designed it's in the scenery it's in the incredible special effects you know the budget is there to be seen it, you can see it right in front of your eyes um, it's a shame it didn't make money back at the box office but like I say there's a context behind that um, but it looks great and the action scenes as well you know they add to that the visual flair of the whole film. It is beautifully shot. You've got to hand it to Nicky Caro. I mean, I will agree with, with all of that, to be honest. I think the effort and the detail that have gone into recreating the costumes and the sets, 
I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it, visually, it's a spectacular film. I think visually, it's very, very stunning. You know, like however, like it's 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 one thing to be visually pleasing, but it's another thing to be enjoyable. And my point earlier was why spend all the time and the effort recreating all the costumes and all the scenes from the original, but strip back all of the fun from it. So take away all the music and all of the energy and enthusiasm, you know, and all of the comedy, all of that is taken out of it. So you're like, well, so you're essentially reminding people of the better film, right? Um, by having it so much like scene for scene like it, but also being completely different because yeah, it's not a musical anymore. There's no comedy. There's no comic relief. There's none of that. It's quite dour and serious. Uh, so yeah, you know what? You might have appreciated that last film, but sit down and pay attention because you know this is more serious. You see, Gav says dour and serious. I would say solemn and dignified. It's just a very different vibe to the film. Like I said, that spirit is there. It is just a different spirit. Um, Imagine having a 10-year-old gonna... kid. I'd just be like, right, <laughs> you're in for a treat today. You've got a what, solemn and dignified film to watch. <laughs> today, we're going to learn a little something about honor. Okay. <laughs> but I think no matter what you do, you kind of... It's, it's kind of a poison chalice, this one. You know, these animated classics, whether you're remaking Beauty and the Beast or, you know, future remakes, I've got Little Mermaid coming in the f- coming years. There's, it, you're never going to be able to please everybody. There are going to be detractors on either side. Some people saying, oh, it's basically a shot-for-shot remake of the original. And people saying that was too different from the original. You, it's almost impossible to find that incredible fine line between these two camps. And I think you know, this film, I think, has gone down the line of making it very different to the original. They had an opportunity to kind of set the score right. From Although the animated film was loved, it wasn't accurate. And, you know, there are a few things that got very wrong. To appeal to a younger audience, you know, changing the names so they were more accessible and easier to, easier to repeat and pronounce. Um, and I think they've put a lot of that right with this film. This film resets a few evils that I think uh, have been carried out. And uh, essentially, Disney, like I say, we left in the playing field. I mean, I, yeah, go on, Gaff, yeah. You can I was just going to say that uh, very, just very quickly. I, I would disagree there. I, th- I understand what Dave's saying and that like, you're always going to alienate somebody, but I think it's better to alienate um, people by doing a shop for shop remake, um, but much better. So, you know, like with the massive advancements that, you know, we've made in CGI and filmmaking since what, 1998, you can have, as you said before, Lion King, you know, a spectacular remake of that, which can be appreciated by, you know, new generations rather than having this film, which I don't think appeals to anybody. I don't think it appeals to fans of the original because they're not going to like it because it's not a shop. For, well, it's a shop for shop remake, but it's got all of the, the fun and the musical that's been left out of it. And it also doesn't appeal to people who wouldn't have seen the original who might be watching this because they want a fun Disney film, they're like, oh, okay, this is going to be a good, it's, you know, it's Disney, it's going to be family friendly. Oh, no, it's not. It's a very, ser- sorry, solemn and dignified, <laughs> it's a very solemn and dignified film. So I think they've alienated both of those sides of the camp there. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Both arguments are really strong on that one there is that I, I kind of remember a little bit of um, the backlash at the whole point of remaking it, and, you know, the, the taking traditional stories and kind of just, bastardizing them for the sake of a of a good Disney-fied storyline essentially um and, and I can totally see you know so to to send that back as as Dave says into a you know different more traditional storytelling style to give it the respect 
of of where the stories come from. You can understand why someone's done that, but equally, it's still a Disney film. It's still a it's still the, you know it should still feel like a Disney film. So I can understand both sides of the argument there. Um, and I guess that did we, did we should we have a little touch on some of the the key characters? I know Dave mentioned mm-hmm. in, the, in his open open opening statement really that some of the casting characters stand out more so than others and um and some of them you know like what about the actual acting and we've got some familiar faces here people we've known from from western cinema even if they may have made their name in chinese cinema or hong kong cinema more specifically um and also you've got some newcomers um ifi liu who plays uh huai mulan now she's a, a newcomer i hadn't seen her anything before i think she's well known in chinese cinema but not necessarily in western and I thought she was fantastic in this. I thought she gave us a stellar performance. I think she's got dual Chinese American citizenship. Um, I expect that we might be seeing more of her in American films yet to come, I believe. So um, I, I thought she was great. And it's a solid supporting cast. Was anyone else worried where Jason Scott Lee was these days? Because I was. <laughs> I was very worried about Jason Scott Lee. Uh, you might recall him from the first live adaptation of The Jungle Book, the one from, from the 90s with Carrie Elways. He was Mowgli in that, uh, if you recall. Um, he's a lot older now, and he's heavily made up with scars. So the, the battle-scarred Bori Khan, who was the villain of this film, taking over from Shan Yu from the animated films. And I thought he was great. I thought he had this commanding presence, this intense presence. For a guy I've normally seen, I've seen him play Bruce Lee. I've seen him play Mowgli. I've seen him play good guys. Jason Scott Lee taking on this kind of villainous role, I thought was a real turn up for the books. And especially because he's been absent for so long from, from cinema. You know, I, I thought he was fantastic and great to see him back on the screen. Donnie Yen, you hire Donnie Yen for a film, you know what you're going to get. You are going to get presence for days. He is the commander of Mulan's unit and he is fantastic. There's not much more to say about Donnie Yen. Jet Li is the emperor. I was surprised at that casting because I consider Jet Li to be an exceptional martial artist, but I don't necessarily rate him much as an actor and i thought well the emperor's not going to be fighting in the so middle much, of a yeah. battle so it, uh, i was a bit surprised at his casting then you remember jet Li is 57 now you know he is getting on in years and you know what this was a solid performance you know i take it back you know there's more to jet Li than just this exceptional martial arts training that he's got the guy can act the guy can hold the screen uh gong lee fantastic actress uh playing like i say shine lang who's uh, like a second a secondary um, antagonist the, uh, the witch that we mentioned before, who actually comes good. There's a good little character arc there where she turns on um, Bori Khan towards the end and actually helps us and well, sacrifices uh, herself to save Mulan. Uh, and I thought um, Taima, another uh, actor we'll know in Western cinema. We've seen him in Russia. We've seen him in the TV series 24. He is fantastic as Mulan's dad. You know, you care about that character instantly, you know, because even though he's not got much time on screen, that is a very important character because it's kind of like, okay, so we know that he probably means a lot to Mulan, but because she's endangering herself to save him, we've got to care about him as well. And uh, Taima has this very endearing presence about him. You know, you like him instantly. He seems like a very likable guy. So you're originally immediately behind that character and you're immediately all for Mulan endangering herself basically to save him. Um, so yeah, I thought fantastic cast. Fantastic performances. I I don't see any fault with this one. Kev, I mean, I'm kind of hoping that you're going to give me some, <laughs> something to work against because they were all very, very strong, strong valid points. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I agree with most of, of what Dave said, to be honest. I think the cast is 
an incredible cast. I think there's some fantastic performers in there who do good jobs. Um, my main criticism, but first I'll continue with the with the positives. Right, I do agree with what Dave was saying. I think Ife Lou is brilliant as Mulan, and I do also think that Taima is very very good as their dad. Um, and as Dave said, you kind of from the beginning, you, you do kind of get that relationship there, and you do have a lot of um, sort of uh, you have a more emotional connection, I think, to um, Mulan's dad than you do Mulan. Uh, so from the beginning, I don't know whether it's because the you know you, you know the character from the previous film, whether it's the actor that's doing such a good job. Right from the get-go, I'm like, oh, you know, you're concerned, you're worried, you don't want him to go and and enroll. And then Mulan takes over. (laughs) And I don't know, it's just like I felt more connected to the father figure, which obviously shouldn't happen. Um, Now, my main issue here is that the characters have been changed to accommodate this new remake and my main issue i just i don't want to sound like a sexist pig there where i'm saying oh yeah i know the female character disinterested me is the changes to the mulan character now in the original mulan film mulan was absolutely brilliant here it's, it's just it's very odd that a film that's made in 2019 or 2020 is less progressive than a film that was made in 1998 like the reveal of mulan's gender in the original is done by complete accident. Everybody's completely shocked and they're outraged. They're oh, how could you be lying to us all this time? Here, Mulan's reveal, uh, um, her gender reveal is her own decision as opposed to being, you know, rumbled. So instead of being cast out of the army, which is what happens in the original, uh, and what happens here briefly, um, but in the original, she takes it upon herself uh, to find, um, you know, she finds out that um, they're going to attack the emperor and a lot of people are going to die. So she takes it upon herself to do a daring and heroic act to save the day. She smashes the patriarch and she proves all those arseholes wrong. You know, it's brilliant. Here, though, she kind of just goes back and has a little chat with the general, warns them of the upcoming threat and is welcomed back into the fold. She's even asked to lead the charge. So it ends up being less about her proving everybody wrong than smashing the patriarchy. And instead, the men giving her a pass and letting her back in. So it feels much less progressive that way. Um, also, what I find odd about the character is that in the original, it's about her like learning things about herself and developing her own character. Here, she's an absolute arse kicker from the very beginning, uh, even before the very beginning, because this film starts with her as a little girl, scaling up the walls, chasing the chicken, doing front flips and you know being able to master martial arts from the age of like six or seven. You know, she's not clumsy at all as she was in the original. And she's much, much more confident. She doesn't really doubt herself when she's called up. Um, she never has to prove herself as well. She's just a good fighter and a good soldier from the get-go. You know, the original Mulan had to prove herself. She wanted to do it. You know, she wasn't a fighter. She had no training. She had no experience. She had to learn all of that. And then she became an immense warrior. And that's why she commanded so much respect at the end. Um, you know, so she's given more agency in this version, which is a good thing. But it also changes the narrative again. You know, her character was originally about overcoming gender stereotypes and proving that she could be so much more. And although... the that's still sort of an aspect here. It's much, much less. Uh, she doesn't have to learn anything new about herself. As I said, she just has to grow or develop. And being a badass martial artist from the beginning makes her family and her peers' actions much more questionable from the start. You know, when she when she was clumsy and she didn't want to get married, then maybe 
her family calling her a disgrace and people being embarrassed by it, although it's still harsh, it might be more understandable. Whereas here, you know, she doesn't want to get married, but she, you know, she's fucking Wonder Woman. You know, so why are people embarrassed by her? And, and also another gripe I've got is, but I haven't her so confident about herself and her own abilities from the very beginning. It sort of creates an arrogance to her character. You know, she's loggerheads with Li Shang from the get-go. You know, in the original, there was this relationship between the two of them. It was very flirtatious from the get-go. Her character has more agency, as I said before. Um, yeah, I, I know at the beginning there, there was conflict, but as it grew, it became more flirtatious. Here, I don't think that happens at all. You know, and I know not every sort of film with a strong female lead needs to have a romantic subplot bubbling under the surface. But one of the other more progressive aspects of the original was how um, there was this relationship, you know, very flirtatious, even though she was disguised as a man. And, and although a Disney 90s film and even one of today wouldn't focus heavily on queer characters, there was that subtext of like a queer narrative there. Uh, you know, if not questions about bisexuality or even pansexuality in the fact that Li Shang appears to be attracted to Mulan regardless of her gender because he's attracted to her essentially. Well, it seems that way um, when she's disguised as a man and then also at the end when she reveals herself to be a woman. Here, there's absolutely none of that. There's no romance at all. It's completely devoid. And I feel that that changes the character more. It changes the narrative. And once again, it's just changing a big aspect of the original film for me. Okay, I mean, that's actually, you know, pretty strong re- rebuttal there. And I, I kind of see both 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 uh, ideas on that one. I don't know if there's anything that you want to respond with on that, Dave, just on the last uh, little touch. I mean, in particular, the, the Mulan thing, and that really sort of hit a nerve. I've recently watched um, all of the Star, Vo- Star Wars films again, and certainly when you get to the latest three, I guess one of the things which which did frustrate me a little bit in stark contrast to the original three is how quickly um ray the you know the female protagonist is good at everything almost instantly you know and the confidence whereas in the others you know even in the prequels the anakin and luke and and people they have to there's a training sequence you know it's quite and yes it's long drawn out but there's a there's a period where they are not very good and they learn to be good and that that there's you know more of an arc in that sense whereas if somebody's already good to begin with the arc has to be different is that you know do you do you still get that development or is that you know i don't know or is it just not meant to be there it's there but it is a, a much more subtle than i think it was in the animated film just quick question for gav you you mentioned lee shang mm-hmm. that's her commander and love interest in the animated film which that character was split into two for this one um do you mean a commander or her fellow recruit sorry yes yeah, so the fellow recruits that she uh, you know is romantically involved with sorry I'll get i'm with you that was that was what i was raising my hand about i wanted to ask you which <laughs> which the split Li shang right down the middle on this one yeah. getting two different i was characters. like shut up dave shut up <laughs> <laughs> her fellow recruit uh, to be honest with you gav's not the only one there uh, there was outcry you know we talked before about there's always going to be detractors that don't like changes being made to one of their favorite films and the removal of Li Shang uh, as the, the the composite character of both her commander and love interest outraged a lot of fans. Um, a lot of fans were very unhappy to see him removed from the script. They said, you know, he never acted upon, you know, it may have been proper, you know, you could put that spin on it, but he never acted upon it, uh, his feelings for her 
while she was his subordinate. And that's that was what they said. Um, and also there was um, outcry from certain sections of the LGBTQ community that said, but the fact that they start flirting when she's still like in drag as a man suggests that there could be that kind of relationship going on there. There could be a bisexual relationship. And the producer, to be honest, was asked about this at, at one of the uh, the conventions that Disney did. And he said that relationship is still there. If you notice with uh, Yosun An, who is her fellow recruit who takes that half of Li Shang's story, there is still flirting there between them, even when he still believes her to be male. You know, that, that element's not gone. It's a different character. It's not the character you may know from the original. The character's been split between two different characters now. But that element is still there. Uh, it's, it's much there, much less though isn't it though dave they, it's much, i mean it's 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 almost like it, you know it, they've just put like a wink or like maybe not a yeah. wink but you know maybe I, a little bit of conversation just so they can say oh no it's still there it's still there you just gotta look for it i don't know if it is there less i think with a cartoon when you're animating these characters you've got to hammer it home you've got to make you can't do subtlety really when you've got a live actor on screen they can be more subtle it can be in a shift in body language. It can be in a minor shift in facial expression. You get an accomplished actor doing it. You don't need to hammer the point home. It can be subtle and it can be there for those who want to see it. You know, those who want to look for it, you can, you can find it there. So I would say it's there and I'd say it's not reduced. It's just done in a different manner because we are dealing with live action and animation. There is a huge contrast. And I'd just like to say about Mulan's character, yeah, there are a lot of changes here. She does pretty much come out fully-fledged badass, as, as Gav says. So there's no training montage. She doesn't learn it quick. It's like she's been learn, uh, learning this her whole life. She's always rebelled against you know, the, the patriarchy's image of what a demure woman should be, and which is why her family are embarrassed about it because although she is still talented, intelligent, you know, all these things, you know, that... The, the, you know, we today's society, modern society would praise her for being are kind of shunned. It's like, yeah, but she doesn't, she forgets to, she can only speak when she's spoken to. And she is clumsy. She does break the matchmaker's teapot, you know, granted, trying to catch it from the air as it falls down because her little sister gets frightened by a spider. Um, so it's a different way of breaking the teapot, but she is still, to them, she is still clumsy. She still dropped it. Even though it was a badass catch in the first instance, she still dropped it. So to them, she is she is still clumsy, and she doesn't have that demurity. That is why they are embarrassed by her. And I kind of like the fact that she wasn't just rumbled and caught out when her true gender is revealed. You know, the fact that she comes down from having caused uh, walking straight into that battle as a woman, you know, out straight into battle and kicking ass left, right, and center. I thought, yeah, you know what? It's it's not arrogance. It's confidence. And I like that. It's a different way of looking at the character. It's a different take on the character, I grant you. I mean, it is different. But different doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. So I, I for one, quite liked it. Okay. Um, I don't know whether you want to have a little close, close on, closing statement and then let me, give me a bit of time to, to deliberate while we have a quiz, something like that. So who wants to go first on a closeout? From, from you, you know. It's... All, all, all I'll say, right, is the main criticism of these live-action Disney remakes so far has been... Like, why would you like remake the film? Okay, and the argument has been, what we're doing here is we are retelling that same film, right? Um, but we're using like the technological advancements that have been made over the past few decades, uh, and we're basically bringing it back to life so future generations can enjoy it. So you watch The Lion King, and it's scene for scene, and it includes all the heart and the spirit. But, you know, it's just a new cast and it's done with fancy CGI. Yeah. What is the point of this film? Because it doesn't do any of that, right? 
And so it's, I just think that it's just going to piss everybody off. <laughs> and then you add all the controversies around it as well. I, I just think, I just like the whole time I was like, who was this film for? Why has it been made? Like, why am I watching it? I think they're, I think they're really reasonable points, Dave. Um, well, Answer yeah, those three and tell me. We're watching it because <laughs> it came out of the hat. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. We decided to put it on yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've answered no, one think, of them for me. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think this film appeals to quite a broad range, to be honest with you. It doesn't appeal to kids as young as those which might enjoy the animated classic, the cartoon, but I think it appeals to older kids young adults, and even adults who remember the original. I think it's got a more serious tone to it, a tone more in keeping with the original ballad of Chinese folklore. And I think Disney is resetting the scales in that regard. And I think they're making up for something they got wrong in the first instance, or at least they're trying to. The, you know, the, Their heart is in the right place with this one. Um, and I think you got, at the end of the day, you got fantastic performances, fantastic scenery, a beautiful score. All the elements are there to make this film a success. The thing that get, went against it was that, as I say, it is very different to the animated classic that came before it. People might not like those differences, but it doesn't necessarily mean the film needs to be written off. Just because, you know, you, the comparisons to the first one are inevitable, and let's face it, Disney invited them themselves. But just because those comparisons are there doesn't mean this film, on its own merit, as a standalone film, shouldn't be taken seriously and shouldn't be given the credit it deserves. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Um, let me write down a bit of a summary. Uh, somebody <laughs> said they'd done a quiz, and I was only the three yeah, of them this yeah. time. So. I have done a little quiz for you guys. Um, and, you know, this is a live-action remake of a beloved Disney musical. So I thought, why not have a quiz on the National Chinese People Liberation Army. Um, so these are 10 questions all about the Chinese army. Um, and I want you, you know, I don't want you shaking your responsibilities here with these answers, guys. You know, these are all questions that you should know the answer to. Starting with okay. number one, when was the People's Liberation Army formed? <laughs> we, we should know this. You should know this. Uh, do, uh, do you want multiple choice? Please. Yes. Okay, it was it 1927, was it 1937 or was it 1947? I don't know. 1937. I'm going in the middle. I'm uh, but you're both wrong. Disgust me. It's uh, the 1st of August 1927. <laughs> um, it was wow. during the Nanchang uprising. Okay, question number two. How big is the PLA? Um, so, yeah, how, how many... Uh, recruits have they got you know how, how big is the army that's including all branches of the of the PLA so it's including the ground forces the navy etc so how many people do you think are in the ranks today isn't it like must be a huge percentage of the population I'll, I'll give you a clue it is the largest army in the world okay <laughs> should, I, should I give you more multiple choice please okay is it is it 700,000 is it 1.4 million or is it 1.6 million? I 1.4 million, I think. Isn't that how big? Isn't that how big the American army is? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's I, don't know. I thought they the were. Like a, I thought they were like a million strong or something. So I'm going to say the big. What was the biggest one you said? Three. 1.6. 1.6 million. 1.6 million. 
I'm going to yeah. go big. Congratulations, it is 1.6 million. I made the second and the third options too similar. <laughs> Should have been like, <laughs> is it 70 or is it 1.6 million? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. 1.6 million people. Uh, okay, right. Uh, number three, um, how many of the total percentage of the PLA are made up by female soldiers? So I have 100%. What's your percentage? So no, zero. Zero? No, I'm going to say 5%. 5%, Dave? Uh, 2%. Aussie uh, is bang on the nose there once again. Around 5%, which is estimated is by the Chinese government in 2015, which amounts to about 53,000 soldiers. Out of 1.6 million, it's mental. <laughs> right, anyway, right. Um, question number four. What was the last time, when was the last time, sorry, the PLA fought a large-scale war and who was it against? Um, <laughs> this is a very solemn and dignified quiz. <laughs> yeah, it feels, really, it feels almost wrong to try and make a joke out of this, but I assume, was it not like, was, was it not against China anyway? Did it not fight against themselves? A large-scale war. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll tell you now. World War Two. It? No, no, it was 1979. Oh. It was against Vietnam. Um, oh. So there you go. Wow. Right, here we go. Question number five. How much is the PLA's budget? Is it £70? <laughs> <laughs> is it $77 billion? It should have been dollars the first time around, sorry. Or is it three? $181.1 billion. I'm going to guess it's the last one. Yeah, I'm going to say last one as well. No, it was £70. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 181.1 billion. billion. Uh, now, where do they figure on the list of the countries by military expenditure? So, at the top, I'll, I'll give you a clue. I would so I'm going to guess that because this question has come up, they're not even the highest spending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say fourth. I'm going to say less than America, less than Russia, l- less than Korea. No, less than Korea. Which one? I, 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 North Korea. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know now, right? I'm going to say fifth. Uh, fifth. Fourth and fifth. Dave, you're closest. I'll give you the points. Uh, they're actually second. So, yeah, honestly, you were right. They are behind America, which spends $684 billion dollars uh, and they are slightly ahead of Saudi Arabia in third place who only spent 78.4 billion that's <laughs> what you could do with that sort of money I know well right. ends, ends, ends uh, global warming that's for one um, anyway um, <laughs> that that has been taken by the way from the 2020 edition of the military balance from the International Institute for Strategic Studies just in case anybody's questioned where I'm getting these facts from I'm not pulling them from the air these are <laughs> from studies that have been easily accessible uh, via Wikipedia uh, it's nothing that I'm pulling from work either <laughs> uh, although I did feel a bit bad um, uh, googling these on my work laptop um, <laughs> If I'm not in next week on next week's uh, podcast, you, uh, it's probably because I've been arrested. <laughs> and, uh, number seven, number seven, right? There are four main mission statements for the PLA. Uh, the fourth one is to help maintain what? Peace help maintain, in China. Uh, Dave, any advancements on peace in China? Um, help maintain 
discipline. Uh, well, to be honest, Dave, the first rule is to consolidate the ruling status of the Communist Party. Uh, the second rule is to ensure China's sovereignty. Um, and the third rule is to safeguard China's national interests. So you're sort of uh, on the right lines there. Fourth one, obviously you get the point, uh, but it's not just China, it's to maintain world peace. Um, so yeah, fair play. Uh, number eight, here we go. How many combat ships does the naval branch of the PLA have? Um, I'll give you a, 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 a clue, right? I'll, I'll give you a, a multiple choice options. Is it 72? <laughs> is it uh, 104 or is it 400 million? The middle one. You're not going to have more ships than people, are you? Yeah, 104. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 400 million. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, 72. It's 72. Um, uh, so the first option, sorry. Okay, oh. question number nine. The PLA has the th- third largest air force in the world, but how many combat aircrafts does it have? I'm not going to give you multiple choices. I think you've just got to guess themselves. How many aircraft? Combat yeah. aircraft. Combat aircraft, so see, I'm not just talking about an easy jet or a flyby. So like, it's like a, like a fighter jet type yeah, yeah. thing or a helicopter. I assume, I thought a lot, like, I don't know. If they've not only got 72 boats. Yeah. Ships. Say only. How many combat boats have you got? Well, I mean, I don't actually know. How many, how many to the UK have? I assume we've got a lot. But. Um, I don't think we've got as much as that. Where do you think. store 72 ships? Uh, well, in the sea. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. Well, not in the sea, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at the moment they're uh, surrounding the uh, fishing <laughs> boats. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't um, know. Um, is it a big number or a little number? Uh, I tell like, you what, right? It, three it, digits. It, it, it's a four-digit number that we've lived through. If you were to convert it into a year, okay. I'm going to say. 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy is on the nose again. It's 2000. Sorry, Dave. And the last question, question number the, 10. Uh, Go on, sorry. I love how like places like like armies or just any any sort of institution, they always feel the need to like round it up to. So, oh, well, yeah. we only really need, you know, 1912 of these. Let's, yeah. Yeah. should we make it 2000? Like, that'll be a <laughs> yeah, yeah. easy number, yeah. How many did you order? Is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you order those two hundred combat air, aircrafts that we asked for? Two hundred. <laughs> Typo. <laughs> you could have spent that money on get get myself another eight ships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's just like one hangar with like one thousand eight hundred aircrafts in that just is not getting used. Uh, right. Okay. So question number ten. The second Second artillery core uh, controls China's arsenal of nuclear weapons. But how many does it own? How many nuclear weapons does it own? This is the one that was a bit, I felt a bit dodgy. <laughs> I used my work laptop. So how, many, from <laughs> how many nuclear warheads yes, does China have? Does China own? Uh, I, I will let you know that they have vowed not <laughs> to be the first number? to use them. Um, it is a round number. It's between two numbers, uh, which are both rounds. So you can say between this and that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> between how many have we got five uh, I don't about know six, about 
<laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> you've got the codes and we know you have. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they've got between a thousand and twelve hundred. Okay, Ozzy. Right. No, like five hundred. Uh, oh, I'm going to give it to Ozzy again. Sorry, Dave, you shot way too high there. It's between 100 and 400. Um, ah, so it okay. could be 101. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> That's as many as they've told the UN they've got. The actual figure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like you know, when you were a kid in primary school and you were like swapping Pokemon cards or whatever. It was like, how many have you got? Oh, yeah, between uh, 100 and 400. Yeah, really, you've got like 101. <laughs> you say like, oh, yeah, I've got between, yeah, I've got between two and 92 cards. <laughs> you, you, gotta, you just bought a pack of 10. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. I'll see on to the bed. How many does, how many does America have? Oh, sorry, yeah. I was just really caught up there on how many nuclear weapons there exist in, in the world. I find it's best not to think about it. Yeah, it's just madness, isn't it? Um, speaking of madness, I kind of, you know, I, I, I do remember when um, there was this huge, you know, the announcement that they were going to remake the entire animated uh, sort of movie listing into live actions. And, and I remember thinking the same sort of thing, like, why? Who's it for? What's the point, you know? ruining our childhood and whatnot. And then you have to think back and remember that actually everything we've watched is a remake of a previous time. And then I remember getting caught up in the sort of the Disney mantra of actually the whole point is to remake and retell stories for the new generation in a way that they would they would grasp. And I think for Lion King and for Jungle Book and Co, no, I definitely felt that that was the case. That it was good for, I, I enjoyed them still and I could totally see why a younger generation would would enjoy them. You know, it really captured everything that's around today. You know, it's a part of the moment. And, and we're in a nice original take, which meant that Gav's little point about it's taken all the fun out and it's taken the, you know, maybe some of the, 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 the more enjoyable parts of the Mulan story has been removed. Um, so, um, so I feel like it's been given a huge budget. It's been dealt with by people who understand the story from you know from birth you know essentially from their childhood and everyone agrees that it's incredibly well shot and beautiful i'm gonna tentatively push it towards the hit list in spite of the controversies around it i feel like it's probably one to watch i'm hoping it's not much more than two hours long if it is as boring as gav says um but I feel like it'll be a nice visual treat. And I think that it's probably one that should be watched. Um, regardless, you know, it's a big Disney film, huge blockbuster. Um, it feels like it should be worth a watch. Thanks, man. Uh, you're also in for a treat. Uh, well, you and Lorca should say it's uh, only an hour and 57. So. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, honest opinions. Um, I'll go first. That's all right, Dave. Um, that's quite honest, I think. I don't think it's as bad as maybe it was making out. Um, I, I know that a lot of people have been like, this is awful, this is terrible. You know, um, I don't think it's that. It's But if you're watching it thinking that it's going to be like The Lion King and it's going to be a, a remake of the original and it's going to have uh, all the same music and the same fun and spirit, it's not that at all. It's not a bad film. Uh, I think a lot of what Dave was saying was, was true. Um, I, I do think it is, as I said before, 
very visually stunning. I think, you know, there is some really good action set pieces in there as well. And I think the cast are all tremendous. Um, but, you know, just don't compare it to the original because it, then it's just going to leave a bad taste in your mouth and you're not going to enjoy it. Uh, Dave? Um, I didn't like it quite as much as I may have <laughs> uh, given the impression. Um, I didn't hate it, though. I do think a lot of the criticisms that have been leveled at it have been quite unfair. And I do kind of feel sorry for the producers of this one because this has caused Disney a major headache from development hell right through to all the controversies, some of which they should have known better, others you just couldn't have seen coming. I do feel sorry for them. And I think it's gotten bogged down in those controversies, really. It's a solid film. It's nothing like the animated original. If you've got that in your head, you might come away disappointed. Um, I stand by what I said about visuals sound, uh, Nikki Caro's directing, the cast, um, even the, some of the changes they've made to characterization. I think these are all strong positives and I think the film looks great. It sounds great. It's a solid film, but I do agree with what Gav was saying when he said he wasn't sure who it was for. I think you, a lot of young kids are going to be alienated by this one. It's not going to hold their attention because it does deal with some pretty serious uh, subject matters. I know, I know Gav was uh, laughing about it. It's, it's a solemn, dignified film. It is a solemn, dignified film. That's not necessarily going to hold kids' attention for two hours. You know, it might not be for everybody. There. So I think that limited appeal, maybe a bit of an identity crisis, like Gav said, I think he was quite right about those points, I think will take it down a notch. I could have gone either way with it myself. I think it's not necessarily um, a shitless film. In fact, I wouldn't say it's not a shitless film, but it's just edging onto the hit list for me. What about for for me then? I guess because I've not seen the animated. Do you think watching it fresh is it hard to is it just hard to distinguish? You know, like like when I watched Lion King, it took me a while to forget about the yeah you know to forget about the uh, the animated one to then mm. enjoy that. For, although that's a genuinely great film um, as, as a live action, so. You know, I maybe think, that was easy, but yeah, I think not knowing the animated original so well will go in your favor for enjoying this film. I think you won't have that in the back of your mind. Um, and I think also the fact that you've heard us talk about it a little bit, you know what yeah. kind of film you're about to sit down and watch. Yeah. I think you might quite like it. I think okay. there's a lot to enjoy here. I think you'll enjoy this film, but I think you've benefited from not knowing the original too well mm-hmm. and getting Having fair this. warning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that this isn't going to be the laugh a minute musical you remember. This is going to be a more serious film more accurate film so i think yeah in that regard you should enjoy it okay well we'll look forward to it okay so um right is it higher or lower than our previous film i'm not even even gonna bother like i think it's one of the lowest rated films uh, or at least like mass produced blockbuster what new year's eve yeah new year's eve what was it seven percent oh yeah i do remember that okay right here's one for you then right higher or lower audience uh, audience score um than our previous film, which was New Year's Eve. Oh, I mean, I was surprised at how high an audience score New Year's Eve had, but I still think it was less than fifty. I can't remember for, for sure, but I think it was less than fifty. I'm going to say, I'm going to say higher, based on what you guys have said. I feel as though it probably did get a lot of, you know, middle-aged white men <laughs> just panning yeah. this because mm. it's not the original Mulan that they remembered. Yeah, well, these white men just I, give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> They're the I mean, only people who seem to go on IMDb. I think every yeah, review I mean, like, by you a know. wannabe film critic. It's basically just us lot, but they didn't have a podcast, so they just want to write about it on a review. <laughs> That's, That's where you're do. wrong. They all have podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think critics will have liked Mulan. 
a lot more. I think the audience going into New Year's Eve will have known exactly what they're letting themselves in for. I think the audience going into Mulan may have been surprised, not necessarily pleasantly. So I reckon audience scores lower. Oh, look at that, Dave. He's like a little rendition of first Sherlock, isn't he? Um, very well thought out, Dave. And you're right, to be honest. Um, it, there isn't that much in it, but it is still higher than New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve scored 45%, as Ozzy said, below 50 Mulan was also under 50. It's a 49%. So, uh, yeah, very, very well thought out there by Dave. Um, yeah, should just say that our next film has been pulled out of the blue. I can't even bloody speak, honestly. I feel like I've had uh, like one week off, essentially, for me. It's felt like it's it's been like a year. I feel like just completely out, out of it, you know, lost the pace. I feel like I'm trying to prove myself here. I need to fight... <laughs> I need to fight to stay relevant. <laughs> don't don't remove me, guys, please. <laughs> right. um, it felt like a year of you being off as well. Last week, it was you know one of the most relaxing years. Uh, <laughs> 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 right, um, the next film is been pulled out of the hat at random, and it is Shoot 'Em Up, um, uh, starring Clive. I was going to say Clive. James, who's Clive James? Clive James, the, Clive the, late, James. Bro- the late broadcaster, Clive yeah. James, and journalist. <laughs> and then I was gonna, I was gonna change it to No Sid James. I was like, no, I'm going, I'm going, I've, I've gone completely wrong there. Um, so Clive Owen, um, yeah, and the defence for that is going to be Alex. Prosecution is going to be Dave and Ozzy, and Judge is going to be myself. Um, so yeah, look forward to that one. Um, just to say thanks to everybody who has uh, listened to this episode and has you know listened to previous episodes, has continued to listen to us, or if you're discovering us for the first time and you've got to this point, well done you, like very well done. Uh, I just want to say you know really really grateful for any listens that we do get. If you did enjoy this episode, please like us, share us, subscribe. You know why not go on Apple Podcasts and give us a nice review. Um, and yeah, just check us out on all social media: Twitter, our film channels, or Facebook, Instagram and YouTube films on trial so that is it Mulan is a hit we'll see and we'll be back in your ears next week with Shoot 'em Up goodbye it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's amazing however where you watch it or listen to it but you know obviously the magic of the fertile <laughs> 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 <laughs>